everyone. It is the final week of the high school football season in our area. The Varsity Podcast has made it through the grind of the regular season, the playoffs, and we've got one team left standing. Can you believe we're here? One team. The final day, the yeah. final week of the season. It's so. here. It's it's uh, upon us. We were hoping we'd have a few more teams playing for a state championship. At least we got one, I guess we yeah. could say. We got one. So, you know, we went into last week um, thinking that we'd probably get one through to the playoff, to the uh, state championship game in Trinity Christian. We were pretty much uh, unified in that. Um, that ended up happening. Trinity Christian 29-21 over Orlando Christian Prep. A lot closer game than I think either of us anticipated. Bowls uh, in a heartbreaker to Coco, 35-24. They fall in 4A. And uh, Baker County, about what we thought uh, against Miami Central, they lose 54-21. So the full season, the full slate of games, we are left with one football team still going strong in the state playoffs. And Trinity Christian, Champignot Catholic, we've talked about it. You know, pretty much talked about that matchup as much as we talked about UC and Trinity in the regional finals. That didn't materialize, but Champignot and Trinity did. State championship game Thursday night, Gene Cox Stadium in Tallahassee. Um, Let's break that down. Yeah, let's do it. Um, yeah, we basically talked about Miami, or the Miami South area, you know, is always run by in the 2A uh, class has been Champignot. So not a big surprise there. Um, so we knew they were going to be there. We, we obviously thought Trinity UC would be the team from up here because that's who's represented that, that game basically for the last several years. So no big surprise there. Uh, obviously, you know, like we said before, last week's game, we felt like Trinity – had the edge over OCP. Yeah, they had to go on the road, but you know, you felt like they had been playing pretty good against their two previous opponents who weren't really good. You know, surprised at the number. I think we both we both said, but you know, like I was telling you before, I think uh, early in the game they just couldn't take advantage of good field position, moving the ball downfield. You know, having to settle for three points every time. You know, uh, it's nine points. You could have twenty-one points, or you know, you know, seventeen or something. But they had to settle for three. And then on the flip side, uh, OCP had a couple of uh, big pass plays. You know, that was an area of, you know, how good is Trinity secondary? It's young. It's new. They've got all new starters back there from the last couple of years. So they've been tested kind of a little bit all year, kind of been, you know, had good games, bad games, you know. But the, I think the first touchdown was like a tip, crazy pass for like 58-yard touchdown that they scored on. Then they hit him on another 55-yard touchdown. So they hit him for like over 100 yards on two pass plays for, you know, 14 of their points. And then, like I said, you're just trading field goals for touchdowns. And then they finally got a couple of big plays from Keaton Thomas. He, he mm-hmm. went over to receiver, had a big uh, pass play from uh, Colin, hit him on a nice uh, pretty much nine ball, a little um, nine ball, hit him over the top, got a touchdown. And then they got a later on drive where Webb, you know, put him up by one, didn't get a two-point conversion. So now you're like, all right. Let's, let's settle in. You got the one-point win after you've been down this whole game. They finally got the got the, the lead, and then Webb had a fumble going on the on-swing drive to maybe give him a little bit of a cushion. OCP just, like, I'm talking about melted the clock down, and then they had the terrific goal line stand. It was just unbelievable. And then, like I say, Webb ripped the 99-yarder off to kind of just to seal it. But it was a lot closer. Yeah. I, a lot hairier. It was, uh, you know, you're, you're, you're there, and you're like, dude, we got to get a four. They literally have four plays inside the three, four yard line, and you're like, "Are you going to get the stop?" It, I was almost thinking to myself, coaching, like, you just say, "Hey, let's let them score, and let's give us a chance with the ball, and let's say we're going to score instead of, you know, them milking it all the way down." Then you got no time. 
you know, the defense rose to the occasion and got the stop, and then, like I say, Webb rips off a 99-yarder, and that was all she wrote. Yeah, that's an unbelievable defensive stand for Trinity, and, you know, we talked about this, and I even projected Trinity to, to clock Orlando uh, Christian Prep. I mean, OCP is a team that's a Sunshine State, uh, double state champion in that uh, in that independent conference, um, and Trinity Christian, we, we – you know, beating the drum all year on their challenging schedule and um, being able to play on the road to tough opponents. And I did not see this game turning into a, an eight-point game and you're needing a goal line stand to uh, to solidify that. But, man, the goal line stand for Trinity Christian, I'm following – I was at the Bowles-Cocoa game and I'm following that game uh, online and I'm thinking, oh, my goodness, Trinity Christian is going to lose this yeah, game yeah. on like a third or fourth down. They're going to yeah. punch it in. They're going to have very little time left. And, uh, man – Cade Morrell with the with the big stop. Yeah, the the whole defensive line played good on those those that sequence of downs. You know they got pressure uh, all night. Really, OCP their run game was literally just their quarterback quarterback scramble, quarterback getting out, quarterback power that type of stuff. They really their running backs weren't you know they didn't get anything going on the ground. So it was literally stop this quarterback from breaking one. But then you're like, are they going to throw one? Then you're like, are they gonna, why don't they kick it? You know yeah. the kicker I guess got hurt. So you're like. Man, it's like an extra point. I would almost be like, let's just let's take the three. That ha- you know, that <laughs> happened in, uh, when Mandarin and Baker County played in the regular season. Uh, Baker County had lost its, um, you know, lost its kicker during the game. So you're having to That's go tough. for, you know, having to go for situations and, um, you know, goal line stand to the end of the game. Baker County could have kicked a field goal had your kicker been healthy, but they had to try and go for it and get it in the end zone. Uh, could not do it, and, and Mandarin it's goal line stuff to win it. Um, so situation there with OCP probably in a very similar spot where you're having you know, you're you're forced to, to go for that. Um, not like the end of the Ravens game the yeah, other day yeah, where you're right, trying right. to uh, yeah, you don't have injuries and all that stuff. But I, th- I think too, I think OCP was like you know what it's almost like a, one of those situations at the end of the game where you go for two or you go for the win. Like you just say you know what We're, we got to we got to score a touchdown to beat these guys, and if they stop us. Then, then there, maybe there's enough time to where we can maybe get a safety and you get mm-hmm. the you get the win there somehow, or you know if you get the ball back, you know a decent field position to try to make something happen with you know a little bit of time left. So I think they were kind of just all in on it, and it just so happened that you know Trinity made the big stop to uh, preserve the season, man, because I was definitely nervous. To yeah, say the and least. I you know <laughs> I I don't have a lot of faith in Trinity's offense right now where it could drive the field in a situation yeah, it's, like it's that. Weird. Like it's you know you, we talked about how Webb's just like just went on a rampage in the first two games and I think obviously due to uh, lack of the teams just weren't very good you know so take advantage mm-hmm. feast on that and that's what he that's what he definitely did OCP did a little bit better job on Webb in the first you know basically the whole game on the first 16 carries he had 77 yards before he ripped off that 99 yarder so you know they, they sold out to say hey we're going to stop this run or try to stop the run and, and you know make Colin complete some balls and he actually did you know, you look at the whole landscape of the game, and Trinity offensively had good numbers. You know, Colin completed like 60%, 70% of his passes, you know, hit some balls downfield, made some first down throws. Obviously, rushed, you know, I think uh, Darnell had a, a close to 70 yards rushing. You know, Webb adds when you get the 99-yarder, but, you know, they had decent balance going in. But penalties killed them. The turnover killed you. So, you don't convert on some of those early situations where you get inside the red zone. You have to settle for three. You know that that comes back to bite you. You know settling for three instead of seven, and then you know like penalties just backing you up, killing drives, stalling drives, and then the the one crucial turnover that that's what makes a game where it could be a lot more comfortable, mm-hmm. a little a little more hairy. 
you know. Yeah, this I mean, it's playoffs, and you know, you still have a freshman quarterback back there. There's been some, you know, inconsistency with the offensive line. I go back to the Bowles game uh, with Trinity and Bowles, and the struggles even getting the snap to uh, to the quarterback yeah. um, in that game. And you know, Colin had such a good start to the season, and really kind of plateaued in in the middle of that. Um, you know, with struggles with, I don't know, banged up or the inconsistencies in the offensive line, um, you know, th- through two pick sixes in the playoff games yeah. that went, you know, 98, 99 yards right. back the other way. So I think when you're when you're throwing all these things together, the, the struggles in the passing game or the offensive line, a youth, you know, inexperience in a sense, um, and then you add on top of that, you know, 200 yards and penalties, and you don't really have a lot of confidence at that point of the game that if OCP scores, Trinity can yeah, go right back down the field and do it. I mean, yeah, you're not counting on right, a 99-yard run from Trayon Webb. Exactly. You're not, you're not yeah, doing was, that. I'm sitting there thinking, okay, there's still, there's still an, at least enough time to, if they do punch it in here, you, you can go on a two-minute drill mm-hmm. and, you know, hopefully, you know, create some magic in that in that respect. Or, you know, Webb rips off a run on a regular drive, you know, from the your own 20. But – you know, luckily enough, you know, the football god said, get the stop, and, mm-hmm. and he rips off a big run, and then, you know, you're on to the next. So. Yeah, Coach Verland here, here, Here's the other crazy part, too, is, you know, you think, you know, you always tell kids, you know, aware, situational awareness and stuff, and in a sense, it's almost like, Webb, you might not need to score that touchdown, because yeah. then you actually gave them the ball back with the chance for themselves, you know, and they, they you know, who knows, you know, that's where you just like, oh, man, you just, you ripped it off. Dive down, take a couple knees, and get out of there. Luckily, I think there was, I want to say, there was still two minutes left in the game when OCP had the ball. They got a crucial pass interference penalty that, you know, made them move it out, you know, a little, gave them a little comfortable room on that, on that drive. And then, luckily, Trinity forced a fumble mm-hmm. to get the ball back to, to kill it. So, that was another big defensive play to, you know, force a turnover on a drive like that to end it. But, you know, that's, that's one of those things where you're like, yeah, well, that's a great run, 99 yards, I love it. But then, you know, if you take a knee or you not take a knee, but you fall down, you know, after you rush Maurice to the Jones 50, Drew did that exactly, years ago. Slide um, on down, and then now we just got to take a couple knees, and we're out mm-hmm. of here faster. You know, just you know. But I'm not. I'm not going to fault you know Trayon for you know once you rip it off like that. You know, you want to finish it, take it to the finish house, it. man. But yeah, yeah. So a, now the, here, here's an interesting stat for you. That's two Trinity backs who have 99 yard runs, not in a state championship game. Ahmad Christian, my man. Ahmad had a 99-yarder back in the state championship, I want to say in 2010 when we were playing Del Rey. And now Trayon's got a 99-yarder in a playoff game. So that's two 99-yard runs. It's not yeah. bad. You know, and we've talked about Trayon Webb's, I mean, you know him from recruiting aspect. But um, he's his high school career has been a little bit underwhelming yeah. to this point. You know, he's been banged up point. a lot. Been banged up um, a lot. You know, he has had some, some pretty big injuries. You know, broken leg, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, broke his wrist. Broke his wrist. I mean, he has had some pretty bad injuries. And when you think of a, a high four, five-star back, you're like, this guy should be just killing it every game. And he really has probably not been healthy in, I mean, up until this point, what, two years? Yeah, probably so. I mean, I think a lot of people think, like, he should be Derrick Henry of high school. Mm-hmm. You know, he's bigger than everybody. He's faster. He's stronger. You shouldn't be able to, talk, you shouldn't be able to stop him. You should be able to tackle him. But, you know, when – if people's game plans, you go back, kind of like, you know, how we always talked about bowls, like, you know, Fru's getting it, so Webb's getting it. You know, the, the teams are going to key in on stopping the run, you know, and saying, hey, we're going to load the box, we're going to bring more, then you got the block, and we're going to say, we're not going to let Webb beat us. And a lot of teams, that's their game plan, and they try to sell out to do that. 
and then when you when you do that, then you say, okay, well, that's where Collins got to make some throws downfield, you know, hit some guys in, some, in the passing game, and that, that's where you got to hurt them. So, hopefully, you know, he can get stay healthy, be healthy, you know, and then have a great senior year next year. So, like you said, he's been banged up since his ninth grade year. Yeah, man. and and this is really his time where he, I mean, I, no doubt the best stretch of games in his career in the the most high stakes moments. Mm-hmm. I mean his three playoff games, I mean, he entered that OCP game averaging 18.1 yards a carry in his two playoff games. That's just staggering. That's, re- again, receiver, yeah. you know, type average that's two per first catch. Downs. That's two first that's, downs. That's unbelievable kind of numbers. And um, and I, I think, you know, talking to Trayon and his father um, at the um, when he committed to Oklahoma over the summer, um, but just, uh, it just unbelievable – how much difference it makes when you're healthy and when you you're not dealing with those leg breaks and I mean he has been just victimized by bad luck and, and health and you see really what he's capable of in in a in a stretch like this how potent he can be uh, when he is healthy and he is man he has been electric in this playoff run okay so before we get to Champagnat Trinity matchup uh, we had two other games last week uh, Bowls Coco. Kind of what we expected. Um, Coco wins that game 35-24. And really the surprise in that game was Bowles. I thought they called the perfect first half, yeah, executed man. the perfect first half. They're up 24-7 at the break. And I don't have the numbers in front of me, but Coco probably ran about 15, 16 plays in that first half. Bowles' defense was just fantastic. Uh, forced um, two three and outs and another punt. They really had uh, really one drive in that half. Um, of any kind of substance, um, and, and Bowles uh, just owned the first half of that game. Uh, thought some good play action in there with DJ Moore, Cade Frew, just the uh, complete wrecking ball. The ball was always in his hands, and he was delivering. Second half, a different story, though. Coco outscored Bowles 28 yeah. to nothing in that game. And really, I thought Bowles' strategy in that first half played out to perfection. You don't want that ball... Um, in Davin Widener's hands, you don't want them. I mean, so many weapons on that Tigers team, and um, it just played keep away from them, and it worked per- to perfection in that first half. And then the flip scripts in the second, Coco makes the adjustments, and um, I mean, not too often Bowles gets blitzed in a half, twenty-eight nothing. Yeah, yeah I, I was hyped looking at those early scores. You know, seven nothing, fourteen nothing. You know, twenty-four-seven halftime. I'm like, I'm like, okay, yeah. Bowles came to play tonight. I was like, these boys are doing it, and then you know. You knew Coco was going to make some, you know, adjustments and, and try to, you know, strategize to to make something, create something, you know, to create something on offense to to give them some more points. And you know, they, you know, I don't know if they just were, was were able to just control Bowles in the second half to where you know they made the big plays and, and basically limited Bowles to nothing, obviously. But it was just, you know, you knew Coco's offense was ready to explode. Mm-hmm. It was just, you know, did you give yourself enough cushion and then you hope that, you know, you can make something happen in the second half and they just didn't. Yeah, Cade Frew was, a, a, you know, the, everything on that offense. And, you know, we've talked about it even um, even last week as far as bowls. If they had a weakness, it was being too one-dimensional, yep. you know. And you don't – that's why you know, having Davis Ellis at bowls, he yeah. was such a good receiver uh, for them. And you had that vertical stretch. He had great hands. Uh, he basically won him the game against Coco in the state semifinals two years ago with an otherworldly catch. Mm-hmm. Um, and then last year in the state semifinals against Gadsden, he made a catch on fourth down that saved their season. Had he not made that catch in the fourth quarter of that game, Bulls didn't play for a championship last year. So, um, you know, not having a vertical threat on this team who really scared a lot of people 
Uh, I know they scheme some stuff um, passing-wise, but just not a traditional Bulls team with the quarterback receiver kind of package that you could really lean yeah, on. Yeah, you, well, you think back to some of Tobin's, uh Pontevedra teams. Mm-hmm. You know, he's always had some those just knack receivers that are just really good guys who run good routes, you know, and then his scheme alone then, you know, can scheme some stuff up. But when you're limited, you know, throwing the ball, you know, and like I say, I think I think DJ is going to be fantastic. And then you even have, you know, a good uh, a good dual or, or one two punch with Jackie Judge where you can kind of rotate them and you know get some decent throws. But you know, just looking at their receiving core, you, you know, your their best probably weapon is probably Kayvon Miller. You know, mm-hmm. who plays DB. You know, and uh, that's tough. That's a tough task for him to you know be able to take the top off and, you know, get downfield. I, mean, I know they did that a couple of times this year, but, you know, you, you need that traditional receiving core that yeah. can really do some things. So I'm sure I'm sure Matt's going to get some guys over there and, you know, they're going to be able to get more of a balanced system in mm-hmm. place. It's just we knew this team was, you know, built the way they're built. Big offensive line, you know, good running back in Cade. And, uh, even the backup back kid's pretty good. Mm-hmm. So – just didn't work out for them because because of they were limited in that in the aspect of of their game plan on offense. But I, you know, hats off to their season. They had a heck of a year. You know, just it's tough when, you know, you're you're you call it almost like you say the perfect game mm-hmm. in the first half and you're up twenty four seven. You know, you got to That's tough. That's a tough way to lose. Yeah, but. and you know, you know, talking to to Matt after the game, he said we kind of. You know, if, if there were any kind of looking back in that moment after the game, that little slice of time where he could go back and, and do things different, he said, you know, we had some guys a little bit on a pitch count who were playing both ways, mm-hmm. um, and we were maybe being a little too conservative with that. And yes, you got you got to kind of let it hang yeah, out. Yeah, and, you know, he said he would probably regret that for the rest of his life where they may have been a little bit too conservative with guys that they were um, counting on on both sides of the ball. And, you know, Bulls is not a huge program by any stretch of the imagination. They've got a lot of guys who play both ways, um, but not having that – that uh, that game breaker on the outside, you know the Bryson Kirksey's, the uh, Davis Ellis kind of uh, characters who can really um, force a defense not to put uh, bring a safety into the box and yep. have to um, you know have to respect that a little bit. And in and, and that second half, uh, there was no getting by the secondary. They were really uh, really made those adjustments where they slipped a little bit in the first half. Coco did. Um, and Bulls just not able to, to capitalize on that. Credit to Coco. They played from behind the whole game. And um, anytime you put 28 unanswered points up on a Bulls team uh, of any era, that's pretty darn good. Yeah, no, definitely. And we knew Coco had that offense that could do it. You know, they had the 3,000-yard the passer, the 1,700-yard rusher, 1,000-yard receiver. You know, they, they've got all three levels of their offense is good. So you knew – that eventually they would probably break through and get make something happen. So they did. They yeah, did, they definitely did that. And it was, you know, it was, you hope that Bowles would have, like I say, created something to, you know, you know, get not make it a twenty-eight nothing where you know you could have had a chance to win the game. But unfortunate that that just didn't go their way. Didn't happen, you know. And that wraps up the career. Cade Frew, one of the yeah. best backs that Bowles has had, three-year starter over there, played his first year at Fleming Island. And uh, just about a 4,000-yard rusher in his time at Bowles. So, pretty darn good career at Bowles. And uh, I posted a picture on, on social media last week after the game about um, you know the, the Bowles and a uh, picture of Cade and Jack Pyburn, close friends sitting on the field. They were talking. The lights on the, that side of the field were turned off right when they were uh, kind of sitting out there, the last two Bowles guys out there. And 
Um, the lights popped off, so they sat down on the field. They were taking it all in. And it's pretty cool. This this kid from Coco comes over, um, kind of breaks away from the Tiger celebration, comes over, puts his arm around uh, the Cade and, and Jack and sits there and talks to him. And I listen to the conversation. It's kind of really a poignant moment, genuine moment. And, uh, you know, Terrell Brown, the Coco player, linebacker, you know, just I- explained to Cade how he was the best running back that they saw all season. Um, hellacious respect for him. Um, you know, this was just a, a loss tonight, Com- you know, competition, really, really a good, genuine conversation. And uh, Jack gets up and, and uh, hugs Terrell. And it was really just a kind of a poignant moment between players, really what Friday Night Lights is about. And that photo on Twitter, on Facebook, just took off, went crazy. Yeah, you know, totally, just, uh, totally went viral on you. And it was, it, was a good, it was a good image. I know if you, ha- if you haven't seen it, y'all should go check it out. Definitely a great show of sportsmanship. And it, just, uh, it was like an awesome picture awesome moment and it was it was cool that you you know you got to see that and you captured it and and like i say so many people saw it and you know got a chance to just see this is what it's what it's what it's about you know you don't have all that and you know and all that you know love uh, admiration all that you know they weren't doing it for a picture video anything like that they were sitting in in kind of the, the last moments of their high school career bleeding dry on that field right there in the cold and you know your breath you can see it and you know, the lights are out on you, and you're watching the team that you just lost to celebrate on their side of the field. And, um, you know, you'd won 19 straight semifinal games, all the history of bowls, and um, you played for the last two titles, and you just don't get it done. You realize your career in that moment is done. You know, you're, you're going to college next, but there's nothing like Friday Night Lights. If you talk to NFL players, college players, after they retire, whenever, they will always tell you, and I've never had an NFL player – a college player say the best time of my life came in college or the NFL. Right. It's always high school. Oh, yeah. You remember those, the glory days of high school yeah. football, man. And, like, you know, you just – they always say high school is the best time of your life. You know, it's your your youth. You know, you think about the – it's – you're not jaded to the world yet in mm-hmm. a sense sometimes. You know, so you're still – you're not like that semi-professional when you get to college. And then if you make it to that, you know, third tier in NFL and you're a, you know, NFL player – it's, you know, all business, you know, and it's even business kind of when you get to college because it's just so much of, yeah, you're a student athlete first, but you're really grinding. You know, this is where, you know, you're with your best friends you've, you know, grown up with a lot of times. And, you know, there's nothing like, you know, just playing high school football on Friday nights, you know, to where it just it just brings that love and just that that it's just that feel you get when mm-hmm. you're playing the game. Yeah, there was just, you know. Terrell Brown, I, he and I talked a little bit back on, you know, just through messages on social media after that. And uh, just a great moment. You know, there's no black and white in that situation. There's no politics. There's no, are you wearing a mask? Are you Republican, a Democrat? Anything. It's yeah. just a pure moment between competitors. There's no viciousness, that, you know, anything like that. It's just a pure natural genuine moment and it was really cool to be able to see the reaction from that and even just be on the field and watch that it was just myself and a um the football players families were behind us and um maybe five people on that end of the field and photographer james gilbert and i were just sitting there and like is this really happening i mean it was just such a natural uh natural moment and uh, you know i've seen the the bowls kids uh you know talk to kids like that after games mm-hmm. and other teams do the same thing so it wasn't just limited to that moment right um there's true respect for light and bowls and coco know each other um team wise so it was really a cool moment um and that's just that's not just bowls coco that's other teams as well so it's really kind of neat to 
have an image ca- encapsulate what we see every Friday night. Definitely, definitely. It was an awesome moment. And I'm, like I say, I'm glad you, you captured it and put it out there for social media, and it went everywhere, man. Okay, in our last game from last week, before we look ahead to the championship game, Miami Central 54, Baker County 21. Game was tied at halftime. Yeah, it was wild. I, that was another one early. I'm sitting here looking at the score. I'm like, 14-14. Or even they were up, and then it was you know, 14-14. I'm like, okay, Baker County. Yeah, it came to went play. On the, went on the road, made some big plays, and then, man, in a hurry, it vastly it, changed. It got away from them. They outscored 40-7. Uh, after the break, but you knew it was going to be like that. Kevin Mays said they had to play the perfect game uh, to do that, and they probably did that for uh, the first 24 minutes of that game. They just, you know, playing on the road. Miami Central is uh, a freaking dynasty. Yeah, they're going to win state. Yeah, you just – there's no no shame in that for Baker County to get that Final Four. I I wish they would have played Merritt Island because I think that would have been a – I think it at least made it to the state Yeah, I think that would have been a – uh, a better game for them, and I thought Baker County's defense, and you know, largely could have uh, could have won them the game against Merritt Island. But uh, nonetheless, you would have had to go through Miami Central at one one yep, way or another. Exactly. So a uh, great season for the Wildcats. Finished eleven and three. Uh, nice win for Kevin Mays and company. And he's got some great defenders coming back there. Okay, let's get to our Class Two A state championship glance. And uh, Thursday night, Gene Cox Stadium, Trinity Christian, Hialeah, Champagnat Catholic. And I like Trinity chances in this game. This is the game that we thought was going to happen all season. I'm glad it wasn't a state semifinal matchup. I'm glad that uh, it did not break that way because I think this is the true championship game. Um, you know, Champagnat has been a team that's kind of held court in 2A for quite some time. And yeah, I think they're on a two-peat, right? They're going for a yeah. three. Yeah. So, um, you know, Trinity is, is uh, dropping down to 3A. And if you remember last year, State championship game, Trinity was getting whitewashed Dude, in that I, game. I, that was another game where I was like, this thing's over, man. Yeah. You know, Chaminade has, you know, Trinity was up in 5A for a couple of years and they dropped back down to 3A. You know, we played Chaminade several years ago. I think it was 2016 was the last time we played Chaminade in the state championship. And that was the last they, of the four feet. Yeah, exactly. So mm-hmm. beat them then. So they were a good team then. Then, then we. Bumped up to 5A, and then uh, Chaminade basically ran 3A for a couple years, and they've been running ever since. Um, So you're like, all right, you bumped down to 2A, now you're playing Champagnat, who's been running 2A. So it's kind of, you know, it's kind of the same partners in in the games that are Mm -hmm. just in different, you know, classes now. But, um, yeah, I think think Trina's got a good shot to win the game, but by by no means if you play like you did last week, you're going to be in a dogfight for Mm -hmm. sure. It's not like this team's – they're not ducks. You know, this South Florida football, you know they're going to – they're going to bring something. They, they always play well from the 305 Broward Dade County. So they're going to have to they're going to have to uh, play a better game, you know, than they did last week. They can't turn it over, and you can't have 200 yards and penalties for sure. Yeah, you can't. I mean, you can't. I think the big things you mentioned, you cannot turn the ball over and not just turn it over, but throw a pick six or have a fumble yep. go back for a touchdown. I mean, you can't. You got to give your defense at least a chance in this game. And Trinity's defense has been playing well. Um, we referenced that goal line stand last week that probably saved their season. Um, so limit the unforced errors, limit the mistakes. Um, you don't get into a, in a penalty fest. Um, these state championship games have a tendency to do that. You're on the big stage. You know, even though a lot of these Trinity kids played last year, 
at uh, Dope Campbell. It's still it's a new season. There are yep. young faces there. You got a new starting quarterback. Um, you don't have Marcus Burke yeah, at receiver. There, about, there you go. That that was the number one thing you take away from that team last year. Yes, the defense uh, is a lot of new faces on defense, but the defense has been kind of mm-hmm. pretty you know even par, and they've kind of held serve defensively. But yeah, you lose Jacory, who was there for you know four years. You lose Burke, who like we just said, Davis Ellis, he's a game breaker. Mm-hmm. You know, you got to worry about him, and he basically single handedly won that game. You know, with the big time catches he had against Shamanad last year. So you don't have him. You know, so now you say, all right, well, who's going to step up? You got a, a true freshman quarterback in Colin Hurley, who's played great as a ninth grader. I mean, you can't take your hats off to him. He's played awesome. He's been put in you know some sticky situations. He's played a tough schedule. He had. Great, great games, and he's had some bad games. He's had some, you know, so he's he's been pretty pretty solid and pretty steady when you go back and look at his numbers overall. So I think he'll be fine. You know, now the big question is who who does step up at receiver? You know, Fred Highsmith's been the, the, the game breaker for him this year, and then there's been kind of, you know, who's going to be the next guy? Is it going to be Xander Ross, or is it going to be, um, I can't think of the kid, number six, the Cali transfer, Cali. You know, is he going to be a guy? So, like, you know what they got at the running back position with Webb and, and Darnell. So I think they just need to keep – Ross needs to stick to the game plan. You know, we run the ball, you know, play defense, and then, you know, sprinkle in some big plays in the pass, play, pass game, and then hopefully you hit them on some big ones. You know, just don't turn the ball over. You know, play sound football, and I think they'll be fine. Here's, here's a crazy stat for you or a crazy thing. The quarterback at Champagnat, you know, he's also a ninth grader. Wow, he's a, he's a ninth a grader. Battle of freshmen and, here, and, huh? And listen, listen to his stat line for the year. He's basically one eighty-eight for two seventy-six. That's a almost a seventy percent completion ratio for twenty-six hundred yards passing. So those DBs and that <laughs> defensive line are going to have their hands full. Exactly. Gotta... They they throw the ball. I watched a little bit of film on them this morning. You know, they it's typical Miami. They're going to. They're going to kind of throw the lateral pass to, to get a guy out in space, and then they're going to throw it deep. You know, so you can't you can't just be like, all right, well, let's just tackle these short screen plays because the minute you try to come up, they're going to hit you over the top. And then they also do a little RPO game. I think the quarterback has five, almost close to 500 yards rushing as well. So they've got a ton of skill guys and, like I said, a dynamic freshman quarterback. They just don't see a lot of these guys, you know, coming in as ninth graders leading a team to the state championship. So yeah. definitely, and, like you said, they're going to have their hands full for sure. And, you know, Verlin Dorman, he missed his second straight game last week against OCP. Uh, he's had some health issues, and, uh, you know, I know he's been out of practice. He went to the game last week. Uh, I was texting him over the weekend, and uh, he seemed to be back in better spirits. So uh, it'd be great to see him back on the sidelines for that game. I uh, don't know if that's going to happen yet. He said he's getting closer to 100%, uh, but it would be nice to see Verlin there. I know the players are playing for him. They want to win it, uh, bring it home for him. Um, you know, he's, he's still pretty young to be, uh, yeah, you know, to sure. be having a little bit of health issues like this. But, you know, when you think of Trinity football, you can't – to me it's, you know, Trinity and Bowles and uh, University Christian. When you think of those programs, there are guys that – I mean, Corky is so iconic with Bowles. Berlin so iconic with Trinity Christian. You can't, you can't think about Trinity Bowles without those two guys. At, you know, UC – um, it's been uh, Coach Pruitt over there, and even you know David Penland the third starting mm-hmm. to make a name for himself there. Um, you know when you, you talk about these these programs, you identify these men with them, and uh, Verlin is is identifiable with uh, with his program, um, probably as any coach um, or any coach in the state. He's just the seventh guy to hit 300 wins. 
Um, so I know those players want to bring it home for him. He's got eight state championships. Yeah, going for number nine. Going for, going for number nine, so it would be cool. Um, and I know having that staff in place in his, you know, in his absence has been uh, pretty comforting because I mean, it's guys that either played for him yep. uh, or have coached with him forever. Uh, so to have that familiarity, you're not having a, a big transition um, for the players and, and yeah, guys on the, the team. Yeah, totally. That that staff has pretty much been in place, you know, even when I was coaching over there. You know, I just haven't been over there for the last two seasons, but it, really the only people who left are kind of like me and Gus. Mm-hmm. You know, that was it. You know, Ross has been in place either running the defense or the offense. Fred's over there running the defense. He played for him. Hardy played for us. He's running, the you know, the secondary. Coach Green's been over there forever. Coach Bird got back over there with the D line and helping out with the offensive line. So like, you know, then they've added some some guys, some some other young guys to the staff too have been you know big in in their respects. So that is easy for them. It's yeah. been easy. It's been easy for V Man just to be that head guy, get you motivated. You know, like I heard Webb say, get you to run through the brick wall. You know, do those things to where, you know, just you know Ross and those guys just they're just dialing up plays. You yeah, know? and it's so. it's it, to me it's it's exactly what. Corky had it bowls with his staff there. Yeah. You know, when, when Corky retired and the job went to Wayne Belger, you don't miss a beat. You mm-hmm. know, Wayne wanted to put his own imprint on the program, like I'm sure uh, whoever would succeed uh, Coach Dormany when it's his time there would want to do, but you want to keep so much in place. And, um, you know, when Trinity, when Verlin does decide to retire, whenever that is, um, I would not be surprised to see Trinity Christian promote from within or something like that to keep that continuity going, just like a Bowles did. Yeah. Um, you know, just because having that infrastructure in place says so much about a program. You don't want to change the, you know, reroute the wheel, remake the wheel, yeah. because you've got a system that works pretty good and has worked over time. Um, you know, Berlin took them to four straight state championships, and um, it's just been uh, pretty remarkable to watch. I mean, when, when he took that job originally, Trinity was – a nothing program and he's he's really you know really built that program in a short period of time I mean Trinity Christian didn't win its first state championship till what 2001 yeah so yeah um, that 99 year was supposed to be the first one and then it you know took two years and then they finally got one mm -hmm, that uh, like I said that's basically over two decades yeah you know in half of those in half of the 20 years you, you, state, state you almost won a state championship. Yeah, so that's or you've, pretty, been, you've been to a couple that you've lost, too. Yep. So that's been pretty remarkable. And I covered that 99 game against Frostproof, and I still, even you know, in conversation, will bring that up with Verlin, and he just shakes his head because that game, you're the highest-scoring team in state history at that point. You're just butchering teams throughout the playoffs, throughout the regular season, and you get to the state championship game, you're supposed to just maul Frostproof. Mm-hmm. And you lose six nothing. Yeah, no, you can't. That game is uh, infamous in Trinity lore of, you know, that was Gus and Ross and all mm-hmm. those dudes. They were like killing people. I mean, yeah, you, you turn on like we still will put it on the old DVD at the uh, at the school with the ninety nine highlight tape. You know, you, you leave out that last game because those other twelve thirteen games were just unreal. Yep, highlight reel games and. uh Definitely a tough loss, you know. Turned it over a ton that that day, and that's that's what we talk about, you know. The, the Friday night, Saturday, wherever, whatever you play in the state championship yep. game, that game is just that game. Forget about all the other twelve or thirteen games you played. It does not matter if you're undefeated or you got you know two three wins and you somehow found your way in that game. It's all about that game and taking care of that game only. You yeah. know, don't turn the ball over, play sound football, and you know, 
do what you got to yeah, do. Yeah, Frostproof was a was, was, was a six and four team yeah, the regular terrible, season. Man. That was an awful game. Um, I remember that game like it was yesterday. Trinity gave up a, a busted play for a touchdown, uh, like a sixty yard touchdown, and then held Frostproof to negative. Wound up Frostproof wound up with negative yards that game. Yeah. And Trinity would get down inside the five and be first and goal with the five, and then they'd end up having it fourth and goal from like the thirty one. It was just an unbelievably. <laughs> Uh, weird game, and that's why these state championship games, even though you're you're favored big, you're an underdog by whatever, kids get in these different situations, you're on yeah. a different field, different opponent, um, pressure situation, and you don't know how you're going to respond in those yeah. games. I, I mean, last I, year, the Trinity game last year is a perfect example. You're getting routed at halftime. Totally. You shouldn't be even in the game at that point. Your season's on the line. It's a fourth down play. I think it was like fourth and seven or yeah. fourth and uh, fourth and long. And Ja'Cory Jordan finds uh, Marcus Burke and um, gives Trinity Christian that eighth state championship and just a remarkable, unbelievable finish for uh, for the Conquerors last year. And we'll see if they can do it on Thursday night. That game's at 7 o'clock, and uh, unlike last year, it's not at Dope Campbell. It's at Gene Cox Stadium in Tallahassee. Uh, so we'll be bringing you coverage from that down there. And uh, as we do each week, we will wrap up our, uh, our segment with a prediction. So... Um, I'm going to say Trinity wins this game um, against Champagnat. I think it's going to be close. I think it's going to be a um, maybe like a 24-20 kind of game. All right, you're, you're pretty close. You're pretty close. I'm thinking, I'm thinking the neighborhood 28-20, something like that. 28-21, just a touchdown game, really. But you know, it could be tighter. Could be like 28-23. I get. Well, I guess they would have to miss extra point because they don't really kick field goals. I looked at their stat line, so I'm thinking in that same area about three or four scores each and then you know who can make the the one score to, to get the win Trayon, if Trayon over 100 yards i think trinity wins yeah he's, i think he'll be over 100 yards I think so i, I do because i think you know, i think their game plan is obviously going to be sell out but i think you know he's the way he's been running the ball lately i think he's he'll he'll obviously when he rips off one of these 50 60 yards or yarders it makes it easy to get to 100 yeah that's <laughs> so, true but i mean you know hopefully he'll rip off you know a few and uh you know they'll be you know be on top and just you you want to I think I think again talking about last week you know you just all the time you want to get out to a fast start everybody talks about that in all levels you know you get out to a fast start you get out to that good you know get a, get a lead built and you kind of you feel comfortable a little bit where you're playing from ahead instead of like you know in frantic mode where you're playing from behind you just it, it just makes it a nervous game and you're just like one mistake and you're like dang we were we're only down three but now we're down ten you know or now now we're down fourteen now we got to you know get get one back and then you're down seven so then it's just you're like kind of fighting that uphill battle so a fast start I think will be good you know but I think it's going to be I think it's going to be a good game for sure because I think Champagnat's going to come to play that they're, they're going to think that they're you know bringing Miami up here so the only other good part is at least this team has played at Gene Cox twice mm-hmm. so they're familiar with the field and all that so that's not going to be I don't think any issue so you know hopefully they can bring it home man yeah one state uh Championship qualifier this year, Trinity Christian. So a little bit of a down year across the board. We used to, you know, usually have multiple teams in that state championship game. You know, and that's that's what hurt with UC dropping down to two A. You know, we usually have some 
compilation of uh, bowls, UC, Trinity Christian, uh, maybe a stray public school in the upper classification. But this year, just Trinity Christian. They're going for their ninth state championship. That would tie University Christian uh, for second in area history. Um, so we'll see if the Conquerors can get it done. Sponge Franklin and I both pick in Trinity to bring home a championship. We'll Let's come back to you next week and wrap up the high school football season. For Sponge Franklin, Justin Barney, thanks for joining us. <laughs>